Thanks so much, Naomi. As Naomi said, I'm Odell, and I'm on the staff team here. And just this week, our eldest son, Jensen, said to me, Mum, I've decided. Dad is more holy than you, but you're better at the kind of caring and looking after us stuff. So I don't know if that makes me more or less qualified to share with you this morning. Maybe it's because Andy's written a book. I don't know. But today is Palm Sunday. And we are going to be looking at this moment, this story, this triumphal entry of Jesus on a donkey. I mean, you could think, what else would we look at on Palm Sunday? But it's worth saying, for some of us sitting here, this story may feel very familiar. And sometimes when something is familiar, we can think, is there anything more that God wants to say to me in and through this? Or maybe for some of us here today, actually this story isn't as familiar. It doesn't matter, really. What matters is that we come with a posture and a heart, open and ready to receive from God. And as I was preparing for today, I've heard this story many a time, and so I was reminded of things. But there was also new stuff that Holy Spirit spoke to me about And I truly believe that God wants to meet with us today. You see, as you sit here today, God knows the week that you've had. God knows the week that's coming up. God knows the things that are on your heart and in your mind, even if nobody else sitting in here knows them. And it's from that place that God wants to speak to you and me today. And so we're going to be looking at this account from Matthew 21, starting at verse 1 through to 11. The words will be on the screen. You can follow on your phones or in your Bibles. But Heavenly Father, we pray right now simply that you would speak to us through this story and through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
Now, there are a number of things for us to notice and understand and recognize in and through this story. And for me, when I'm facing a story like this, I find it really helpful to imagine and picture the scene. And we will have a few images that come up on the screen that might be helpful in that. But essentially, this is an incredible moment, an incredible scene, maybe one of the greatest in scripture. The theologian N.T. Wright says, it's like the climax of an opera or a Shakespearean play, but actually it's the climax of the whole story of God and Israel. So the first thing for us to notice is where we find this story and the context of this story. And to do that well, we need to look at what happens in Matthew 20. In Matthew 20, the chapter before, Jesus has just healed two blind men. Now, in this gospel account, we're not given the identity of those two men, but because of the other gospel accounts, we're led to believe that one of these is known as Bartimaeus. And what's significant is how these men refer to Jesus. They use the term son of David. This is reference to the messianic promise from Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 where the prophet Isaiah spoke of a son who would be called mighty God, eternal father, and he would be a son that would reign on the throne of King David. Now, the crowd would have known what that term, son of David, meant, essentially saying this is the final king, the king of all kings. And so you might think, well, why is that significant? Because up until this point, Jesus has not answered to that title. He's not acknowledged or given recognition to that. And so finally, he's doing that just before this first Palm Sunday. He's finally answering, he's finally acknowledging that he is the Messiah. And I wonder if the disciples had a kind of, this is it, this is it, don't get scared now everybody, one of those kind of moments. Basically everything is happening in this story and in this passage. Time is of the essence. Jesus has declared himself king. There is dramatic tension all over the place. See that when this picture of Jesus just comes on the screen now. You see, this sets things up for the triumphal entry. There is a shift in what is happening. And one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is, well, so what? And did Jesus know? Was he, did this just happen? The answer to that, that I would believe and agree with other people who've looked into this in far more detail than me, people like Tim Keller and others, actually, Jesus didn't just know that this was going to happen. Jesus planned every single intricate detail of this moment and of this story and of this time. It was all part of the plan. And that's why these moments are significant. And that's why it's important for us to look at these. Another thing for us to recognize is it talks about the fact that Jesus and they are on the, is going to Jerusalem. They're on the way. Now, this is significant for a number of reasons. Firstly, because Jerusalem is where some of his bitterest enemies 
were, and they had a lot of power. Jesus knew that there were people in Jerusalem that wanted to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew that people were in a particular place and they wanted to kill me, I don't think I'd be rushing to go there. Maybe I'm the only one. And so the disciples are actually trying to dissuade Jesus from this. They're trying to say, hang, like, hang on a minute, I'm not too sure that this is actually the best idea. If any of you have seen the series of The Chosen, in those episodes, what I have loved is being able to see more of what the disciples might have been like. Sometimes they're all like, yes, this is it. Other times they're like, hang on a minute, no, I'm not too sure. I take great comfort from that. Maybe you do as well. Is that not our lives as disciples of Jesus? Sometimes it's all great, other times we're not too sure. But Jesus was in control of it all. And the mention of Bethpage in this passage is important as well because Bethpage was next to Bethany. Now this area Jesus knew really well. Bethany was the home to Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Jesus had spent a lot of time there. And so when he says to the disciples, go, that's where the colt is going to be with the donkey, untie them, tell them, that's because Jesus knows that area. He knows where these animals are kept. It's all part of his plan. And he wants to have a crowd that go with him. And so what better place to get a crowd than from Bethany, where those people in that village had witnessed the miracle of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Something is happening. And people would have realized that in that moment and would think, I'm going to see what is going to take place. This is all helping us to understand the first point that I want us to grasp today. Jesus comes as the king who is in charge. If you've ever planned a wedding or a significant event or moment, you will know that there's the importance of finer detail. Anybody agree with that? Some of you, some blank faces. That's what Jesus is doing here. All of these details are important. Now, 12 years ago nearly, when Andy and I got married, the day before our wedding, and it was quite a kind of DIY wedding, let's just say, I gathered all of the ushers and the bridesmaids and the family and friends who were helping us to set up this wedding. And before um, we did anything, I had printed off, you can laugh if you want to, I'd printed off an information pack for everybody. And in this information pack, it had every name, every phone number, every detail, every timing, who was meant to do this, with who, and when. And still to this day, my father-in-law, whenever we have a family event, says, we can't do anything until Adele brings out the information pack. Thanks, Pete. Love you very much. Um, but why did I do that? I did that because on that day, I didn't want to be bothered by people asking me questions. But I also did that because, well, of course, Andy and I, but I was very much in control of how that day went and what I wanted it to be like. Let's just say it didn't all go according to plan, but you can ask me about that afterwards. Maybe a slightly daft example, but the reason is because it's helping us to understand the significance of the details in this familiar story. The arranging, the planning, that Jesus and the lengths that he has gone to for his triumphal 
entry. And you know, that wasn't just the case of Jesus being in charge as the king on that first Palm Sunday. Jesus the king is still in charge today. He knew and he saw and he still does today. He's not just the one who says, I love you, and that's where it ends. He's the one that says, I am in charge, I am leading you, I am guiding you. I have a plan, I see the bigger picture of your lives, I see your uncertainties, I see your questions, I see the things that you're wrestling with when you look out to the city, to the world, and wonder what is going on. And even when we have these uncertainties, all these questions, we can trust Jesus, the King who is in charge. Earlier in Matthew, in chapter 17, Jesus talks about what size our faith and our trust needs to be. He uses this example of the mustard seed. And he says, even if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Of course, that's not always easy to do. Maybe you sit here today and you think, but because of my situation, because of my circumstance, because of the uncertainty that I'm finding myself in, that is really hard to do. But Jesus is still the king in charge. Just the other day, I was at an event where Amy or Ewing, who is um, an author and um, a really gifted speaker with regards to uh, apologetics and explaining um, the gospel in different ways. She was speaking at this event and we were looking at how the gospel can still have an impact in the culture that we find ourselves in today. And she was saying that the church with a big C need to be more trauma-informed if we're going to continue to be relevant. We're going to continue to help people to find Jesus because that is the world that we find ourselves in so much of the time. And so sometimes we might think in those moments, well, how do we love Edinburgh and be family and follow Jesus when there's so much uncertainty around us? She said this, and I've mulled over this for the last couple of weeks. She said... The thing is, we can make our souls find a home in the name of Jesus still today. Let me read that again. We can make our souls find a home in the name of Jesus. That is still the same today in this Holy Week, this year of Easter in 2023. Surely there's comfort in the knowledge and the living of a reality like that. The reality of King Jesus being in charge, taking control, even when we don't fully understand. But what we often do, and I do this, is I let other things take charge. I let other things take control. So the first thing for us to remember is Jesus is the King who is in charge. Okay, fine. So he's the final King of all kings. Well, if you were going to do a triumphal entry as the king of all kings, would you choose a donkey? Really, would you choose a donkey? Surely the steed of choice would be much more like a kind of mighty horse, you know, powering through into battle, towering above it all. 
No. Not if you were in the line of David. Solomon in 1 Kings is paraded on a donkey when King David is nearing the end of his life. And this is to show that Solomon is the true heir. And so this act, the use of Jesus coming in on a donkey, is reinforcing the reality that Jesus is the son of David. He is the Messiah, the final king of all kings. And it's a young donkey. In in some of the other translations, it says an unridden donkey. And that's to signify the purity, because in the ancient Hebrew world, a sacrificial animal had to be one that was pure, not used for other purposes. And this is so symbolic of what will happen and what we know happens on Good Friday. But also, and what's probably the most important thing for us to remember, is Jesus chooses this transportation choice of a lowly, humble donkey, probably much more the kind of transportation choice of a servant than a king. Why? Because he is showing and sharing that he comes as the king who serves. He comes as the king in charge of it all, but he doesn't come like a king that's ever been before or ever will again. He comes as a servant king. And that's summed up in verse 5 that we read earlier. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Some of you may have heard about the Ashbury Awakening that's been happening over in America um, in the month of February. And some people are calling it a revival. Some people are questioning that. Some people are arguing over what it is and what it isn't. Let's not get hung up on that. There has been an incredible outpouring of Holy Spirit in that place, in that moment, and hundreds have come to know Jesus. But as a senior team, we were listening to the podcast that was um, between Pete Gregg and Mark Sayers after Pete Gregg had gone to visit. And the thing that really struck me was the humility of the leaders involved. Apparently, the guy who spoke admitted to the fact that he wasn't really that well prepared, as he maybe should have been, and um, he kind of had a willingness and a hopefulness, but he definitely hadn't put in the prep that maybe he should have done. The leaders who continued to carefully manage and cultivate this continued time and space of prayer and worship were often not to be seen or known. And people would say, well, who are the leaders of this thing? And Pete Gregg said this, people almost assume there's no leadership because we have been so used to a more narcissistic leadership that we assume the humility of leadership means absent leadership. Is that why Holy Spirit has turned up in that place and hundreds have come to know Jesus? I don't know. But what I do know is the posture and the way that they have gone about cultivating this And managing this moment, this very holy, sacred moment, has been in a very similar way to the example that we see of Jesus, the King who serves. And we hear this reinforced in other parts of Scripture, don't we? This isn't the only point and place that we hear of Jesus, the King who serves. It's reinforced in Philippians 2, where Paul the Apostle is explaining, when we know Jesus, we are to imitate his humility. 
The reminder from Paul in verse 7 is, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So what does that mean? What does that look like for you and for me as we go into our lives, as we go into this week? Does that mean that we conduct ourselves at work, at school, differently? Does it mean that we use our money differently? We use our time differently? I think the answer to all of those things is yes. And as I said right at the beginning, it's really helpful sometimes for us to imagine these scenes of what's happening on Palm Sunday, but also to think about how the disciples may have reacted. I already said that I wonder if they had a kind of, this is it, don't get scared now kind of moment, but there's an excitement. Why is there an excitement from them? There's an excitement because they have known the true identity of Jesus. They have been living with him and in the reality of that. They've witnessed his miracles. They've seen and experienced their own lives being changed and transformed through him. And so there's a desperation for them to tell others. But until this point, so much of the time, Jesus has said, no, stay quiet. This is not the right time goes back to that first point. He has planned all of this. But there is this excitement. And I was trying to think about it and trying to think of an example. And I remembered back to the time where I threw a surprise party for Andy for his 30th birthday. Now, let me just explain. I had a plan once again. You know, go back to the information pack. I had a plan. Um, but children don't arrive on time always, do they? And they come when they want to. So the plan had been to have this party, but Jensen arrived two weeks earlier than he was due to. And so I had a week old baby, I just got out of hospital and I was planning this surprise party. I know, I think Andy just thought I was a hormonal mess, which I was, but. Um, and so on this moment, on this day, I was so excited about him finally knowing, finally finding out. Um, all of his friends and family, like 50 people in this venue. So we walk over to this venue, and there's me proudly pushing Jensen in his buggy, and Andy walking alongside me, and we were going to drop off some paperwork. I mean, the lamest reason for going to this place, but anyway. Um, and when we got there, I said, Andy, you go in first. And he went, no, no, I'll open the door, you go in with Jensen. I said, no, you go in first. We're starting to get slightly forceful. At which point he became slightly suspicious and I almost nearly had to boot him through the door for then everyone to go, surprise. Is that how the disciples were feeling? That kind of urgency, that sense of we are desperate for people to know and we want it to be big and we want it to be grand and we want it to be a moment. Well, it is a moment but it's not necessarily the way people thought it was going to be. And so when the disciples are asked to go and get a donkey, they could be potentially crushed by that and go, really, a donkey, Jesus? Are you sure about that? Is that the way to hail yourself as king of all kings on a donkey? And I take such comfort in the disciples because even though they'd walked with him, they journeyed with him, he told them and shared with them and shown them the king that he wanted to be, the king who serves, they're still confused. I'm still confused at times in my life, even though I know Jesus, when certain things happen in the way they do, 
I have those questions of what, how, why, Jesus. But you see, Jesus needs and wants this donkey to fulfill the prophecy. But he also needs and wants the disciples to go and get the donkey. We read after the resurrection of Jesus that Jesus then tells Mary, you go and tell others, I need you to do something for me. It's reiterated again in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, when God says, go and make disciples. He wants us today to live in the power and the knowledge of the fact that King Jesus is still in charge today. King Jesus is the one who serves, but he's also the one that transforms our lives. And when he transforms our lives, he wants us to keep trusting him, to have faith in that transformational power. And even when we can't fully understand it, to continue to live our lives. And that's why we, as a church, have our values to love Edinburgh, to be family, to follow Jesus. We're on a journey of doing that together. But so much of the time we maybe say, no, not me. Who, me? No, I can't do that. I've got too many questions. I've got too much going on. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too poor. I'm too young. I'm too, I'm too, the list goes on. But actually, at this start of Holy Week this year, the question that we all need to ask ourselves is, do we know Jesus, the King in charge, Jesus, the King who serves, and Jesus, the King who transforms if you don't yet know Jesus, then we would love to pray with you today if you want to make that decision and that choice of faith. But if you do know him, do we, do you choose to live your lives in and through the knowledge of these three points that we've been reflecting on today? Do we behave in this way, believe in this way. We know what happens at the end of Holy Week, where we reflect on Good Friday, where we celebrate on Easter Sunday, the dying of Jesus and the rising again. And he did that for each and every one of us. And he wants to remind us today and every day that that's because we're a part of the plan. As we understand this and as we continue to have a posture understanding this more every day and recognizing that Palm Sunday isn't just a story, it's something that still breathes life into us today and every day. We are a part of God's plan. We have a kingdom purpose. We have a mission, a calling, whether that be in your role in business, whether that be in your sphere as a student, whether that be as a single parent, someone in retirement, if you're recovering from alcoholism, in your neighborhood, in your school, however it may be. Jesus's triumphal entry on that first Palm Sunday was an incredibly powerful, planned moment that changed everything then and still changes everything today. And in my role here as community's pastor, I'm often the one that first gets to hear some of the stories 
of what God is doing. And in the last couple of weeks, I've heard of how people's lives have started to be changed and transformed as they've encountered Jesus, as they've joined a community, as they found a space to ask questions safely. I was hearing about some people that during lockdown, um, when they were at their absolute lowest point, they found our gathering streamed online. And that was a turning point for them to actually realize there's more to what I'm feeling right now. And I'm going to look into that. I'm going to explore that. I'm going to ask questions about that. And so this Holy Week, at the start of Holy Week and this Easter, do we celebrate these things about Jesus the King? I'd love for you to stand with me if you are able, because we're going to respond in a slightly different way today. You see, the thing is, it's not just true for us today. It's true for all. And we have a part to play in this. And sometimes it can be the smallest things that can have the greatest impact. And so, as we worship in a few moments... There's a table either side, and they'll be moved forward. And on them, they have got these cards. And they say all different things. True words of what Jesus says about each and every one of us. You're forgiven. You're accepted. You're anointed. You're called. You're chosen. You're hopeful. You're free. You're confident. You're secure. You're beautiful. You're known. You're seen. You belong you're loved, and you're transformed. And as we respond, and as we ask Holy Spirit to continue to move amongst us today, as we do that, our challenge to you is to come up here and to take a couple of these cards. Take one or two for yourself, put it in your Bible, put it on your fridge, a word of truth and a scripture on the back to remind you of today at the start of this Holy Week. But also take some for those that you are journeying with right now who don't yet know Jesus. What would it look like today and this week for us to in and across the city give one of these with a bunch of flowers, give one of these with an Easter egg, anonymously leave one on somebody's desk at work, put it in a card with a note for somebody that's struggling. Let's be intentional about sharing and showing that Jesus, the King, is in charge still today, is the one who serves, and is the one who transforms. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy week. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for what you did from the first Palm Sunday through to Good Friday by dying on the cross for us and then rising again on Easter Sunday. And we thank you for the fact that even when we don't fully understand, even when we have uncertainty, you are still the one who's in control of it all. And we can come to you and we can bring things to you and we can lean on you but we can also, as we do that, show and share your transformational power and love with others around us. 
And so, God, would we do that and would we respond to you today? In Jesus' name. Amen.